You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Today's guest is Keon Dooling, a former professional basketball guard in the National Basketball Association, the NBA. Originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, he attended the University of Missouri before a 13-year career in the NBA, where he was with the Grizzlies, the LA Clippers, the Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, New Jersey Nets, Milwaukee Bucks, and Boston Celtics. And today's guest we are also joined by Mackenzie. We're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so you won't be able to hear Mackenzie. But today, a very special guest. Welcome to the podcast, Keon Dooling. How are you doing? Hey, Pat. I'm fantastic, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, this is a pleasure. You know, I I, I remember watching you. Um, man, you, you were definitely amazing on the court. The things that you could do. You know, you could take over an arena. And um, I can only imagine what that kind of, the, the person you had to be, the character, uh, what you had to overcome to even get there. Uh, I can only imagine what that was like. Can you tell us, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Keon Dooling? Who is Keon Dooling? Interesting. Um, so I guess Keon Dooling is a young Fort Lauderdale kid who, you know, went to college in the Midwest, who, uh, after his sophomore year, decided to enter the draft and, you know, live out his dreams. Um, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm an author, I'm a life coach, uh, 13-year NBA veteran. And so, yeah, Keon Dooling is a man who is layered, but also grounded in, you know, the journey and who he is. Wow. The that journey. sounds weird, right? It, and who he is and who I am. Explain right. that. Explain <laughs> what is that? What what do you mean by that? Well, you know, sometimes athletes we could you know, we get uh you know, this third person mm-hmm. thing going when we're talking about ourselves, right? It's kinda hard to like separate like the individual from like the talent that you have or the, the character that you play on the court or the field. Um, so a lot of times when you ask me a question like, who is Keon Dooling? Instead of referencing myself first person, it's like, okay, who is this guy? <laughs> so my bad, Pat. I'm with you. I'm back on track. <laughs> All right. We, 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 we got a couple people going on here. It's you and then there's Keon Dooling. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would just say the way that the question was asked. Got it. I was, you know, I, it, it, it made me come from a third person point of view. That's the athlete took over in me. Got it. I, I love it, man. I love it. Um, you know, your career was, was stellar in college and, uh, you went on to have a really good NBA career. As you look back on those experiences, um, how do you look at them? What is your perspective? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I feel a lot of different things from the journey. Um, I think, you know, as you're, as, as you're becoming, as an athlete, you don't get to process the journey, what you've experienced, what you've endured, what you've encountered, what you 
had to overcome. And so I think as you get older and you start processing things, you get a chance to kind of look back and reflect things that you feel because, you know, as you contribute um, to your school, to your university and things like that, and then you don't have coaches that, you know, have long tenures, you kind of lose that connection with the school. So, um, but at the same time, you gain friends, you gain experience, you get educated, um, you get to, you get exposed to different um, things. The first time I saw snow was in college. So, man, my, my, my I would say my college experience was, um, though it wasn't long, it was very rich in experiences. You know, as things are the way they are in the NBA today, and we're talking about we do one and done or the possibility of eliminating college altogether. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a hybrid system that has yet to be, you know, activated. Um, You know, there's too much money in college athletics to only allow the athletes to not partake, you know? So I think there gotta be a more hybrid system where, you know, the, the overall well-being, you know, of the kid is taken into account, especially from some of the, um, you know, the great resources that they generate from their talent. And, and you know, some athletes' experiences, obviously all athletes don't experience the same thing, so there are different athlete experiences. And you have some that are part of the revenue generation generating part of, of athletics. And then you have some that are not, do you see a separation or how do you see, is there fairness in there at all? Yeah. Well, look, you know, I mean, I think in our society we're, we're rewarded off of performance. So I think you have to factor in the, the high yielding performance uh, sports. Um, but also there's inclusion, <laughs> you know, there's a socialism part to, you know, uh, the overall wealth that our sports generate so that all sports and all genders can all benefit. Look, I just believe that the college system is such an awesome system that we want to continue to develop talent in that space. We don't want to have to send people out into the workforce, into the real world so early. However, you know, when, when a big demographic of the revenue generating population is coming from certain areas, you know, it feels, the morale feels bad when you can't participate and everybody else does, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something that, you know, there's a system that can be found and, you know, it'll work for everybody, in my opinion. Got it. And, and you know, as you look back on, on your transition from college to the NBA, uh, what are some things, if you're talking, to, when you talk to younger athletes that are going through those same transitions, what are some things that you tell them to pay attention to? Mm. So I think, you know, I, I, I think what I encourage young men and young women to do in their college experience is one to, you know, totally buy into the process, enjoy, you know, your youth, you know, uh, be open to coaching, um, hold yourself accountable, try new things, um, you know, um, and also, you know, I try and manage expectations. You know, everybody is not going to be a professional athlete. Everybody is not going to be a professional athlete. And so for the, the, the 
the big majority of college athletes, you know, you have to really maximize your time and your experience and your network opportunities if you're going to, you know, really find success moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, well, from the coach's standpoint, what about the coaches? What can coaches do? You know, I think coaches have done such a fantastic job over the years of adjusting and adapting to this new generation of players. <laughs> um, you know, they're a little bit different from our generation, Pat, where coaches like Norm could really, you know, get on our, you know, get on us and get on us in a tough way. Um, but, you know, over time it's changed and you've seen coaches really evolve. Um, I think what I would like to see coaches do is be able to spend more time with the kids, um, be able to do more as a leader and show them, um, you know, more things like taking them to dinner and, you know, giving them rides home where you can have those long conversations. I still remember those ride home after games with coaches or my parents and things like that. Um, and then I also think that universities could do a better job of, you know, almost creating a farm system for um, their talent that comes through their system to be able to have opportunities to come back and contribute and work at some of these institutions. I think there's a lot of talented individuals um, who don't get those opportunities to come back and place all the, 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 the pride that they learn from the university and the skills that they learn from the cultivating grounds of these universities. So I would like to see more um, former players, you know, going back and having jobs, you know, at their schools in one way or another. So from an administrative position, and that's currently I'm in an administrative role where I oversee the health and performance of of all the student athletes here yeah. at the University of Louisville. Congratulations. Congratulations, my friend. I think you grow from a long way back. So congrats <laughs> on your growth, my friend. Appreciate that, man. It's, uh, it's, it's, been, a gr it's been a great journey. Um, so from a former athlete perspective, what would you like to see from administrators, people that are in the decision-making positions to affect uh, the athlete's experience. Yeah. So I think I would first like for them to hear, like listen to the athletes, hear, hear their experiences, hear how their bodies feel, hear how, you know, uh, taxing their schedules might be, um, you know, uh, hear how hungry sometimes you could, you know, feel at night when you're a high-performance athlete and, you, you know, you got a grub at different times of the night. Um, I think that would really, really help is to just understand the experiences of the athletes and, and, and put some mechanics in place that allows them to, you know, just have a better lifestyle, a quality of life, while, not only while they're there, but also like in their, in, their, in their departure from the university. You know, th that's, re that's really good. Um, and that's good advice. Um, and I know you speak from a position of passion when it comes to um, athlete athletics, basketball. And I speak from my experience as well and from a player's view. So sometimes that might conflict with the institutional view. So I, I, I do understand that, but there's so few players who, you know, you know, make it high enough where they can actually, you know, have a voice to speak for the experience. So it's not like a chastising. Like, you know, the NCAA is a great institution. It is, like, inspired and motivated and given so much pride and opportunity to so many, right? And there's just another level to it. It's already sterling, but it could be, like, platinum, 
you know, if the system was just a little bit better. And I see the improvements and I see the willingness, you know, to, to bridge some of those gaps. It's just not happening fast enough. Got it. Got it. So I want to switch gears just a little bit. All right. All, all right. right. That's the political part. I'm glad we're done with that. <laughs> we're we're going to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your ability to stay in the air for a long time. Mm. <laughs> Talk about that. Man, you know what, Pat? I'm a Florida boy. You know, we grew up playing, we grew up, you know, in the street playing basketball, playing football, you know, really just, you know, 365 days we would be outside. So I ran the beach a lot. You know, I would run in the pool with my shoes on and I would watch Michael Jordan come fly with me highlights and then I'd go try it at the park. Then I'd do push-ups and calf raises and sit-ups and duck walks and lunges and all these things trying to, you know, get my hops up. And then one night, you know, I think, you know, God just kind of said, okay, you've been working hard, you know, and I went from slapping the backboard to like slam dunking. And um, it just happened overnight. You know, I think it was a combination of putting in work over time. And then the Lord just kind of blessing me and saying, hey, here, here you go. Okay, hold on. I got every strength coach in the nation is going to get after me on this one. They, they're saying, they're going to say, hold on, you just had a guy on that said he woke up one night, one day with hops? Well, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would say there was a guy who worked from the time he was like nine years old on his body. So he was about 16 years old. And it was that perfect combination of like size, strength, and then just the timing. Something happened where, you know, um, I, I was slapping the backboard one day. I, I wouldn't say that it was a one-day event. I think it was a series of events that led to that explosion or that burst. But as athletes, you know, especially as a strength coach from that background, you've seen these bursts that guys have. If you push them hard enough, you'll see these growths at the end when there's testing time. And you've seen guys when it's testing time, like, outperform like the norm that they bring to the table. So, you know, it's something about pushing athletes and bringing the best out of athletes. And coaches can do it. Your peers can do it. Your environment can do it. It's a lot of things that you can draw inspiration from. Yeah, I heard you say um, that you drew on yourself and you were self-motivated and self-determined. So was there a good balance of people there to guide you, push you, as well as you doing it yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I stand on the shoulders of my family and my neighborhood and all the great coaches who poured into me. I think, you know, uh, it takes a village to raise a child, and my village, they were there for me. <laughs> you know, they really cultivated me. They, it was a great incubating environment where, you know, as an athlete, you would get challenged, you would get pushed, um, you would get bullied. <laughs> You know, you would get coached. Um, so we got all these, like, I believe some of the best coaches and trainers are in these urban communities. They don't really get the notoriety or credit, but they produce, like, some of the best athletes, you know, that our country produces. And so I stand on their shoulders, man. They really, they put it, they put it on me early. Right. And, you know, how can kids who may not go out as side as much as you did get the same feeling from... Uh, being outside and, and just playing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, it's a challenge to try and get your kids from off of technology to outside. <laughs> you know, times have really changed. Um, but I would say, like, in Florida, we would have a certain amount of rain days. 
And in those rain days, you know, that's when we would get like on the video game or that's when we would do like a deck of cards, like have push-up competitions. That's where, you know, uh, you know, you would be able to use your imagination and visualize yourself and what you're going to do when you get on the court or when you put on your uniform and things like that. So also it's, it's as important as it is to be, you know, outside and doing things, I think it's equally as important to, you know, dream about your future and visualize where you want to be and then write down your plan on how you can achieve that vision that you have for yourself. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. Okay, Keon, where where did this drive, determination, motivation, inspiration, vision, where did this come from? A combination of places. I think first it came from my faith. You know what I mean? I always, you know, knew that God was, you know, real in my life. You know, um, I think it next came from my family. Um, I think also it came from my environment. I'll tell you, man, poverty is a hell of a motivational tool, brother. And, and I knew that, you know, in order for me to kind of elevate myself, I needed to, you know, you know, make sure that athletically I could do that because that was where my opportunities lie. Not only, but it was kind of where my talent allowed me to go. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where the drive. And then I would also say to be real, like failure, you know, and the fear of failure um, and letting people down and falling short and, you know, getting, you know, somebody getting the best of you, you know what I mean, are, are, are also, you know, motivating factors. As a parent, how do you balance your experience as a former professional athlete with the maybe expectations you have on your kids and, and just how do you think and what advice do you have to other parents out there? Yeah. So I, I definitely don't think you can live your dream through your children. Right. I think that's one of the biggest detriments we could have to our relationship. Um, parent child. Um, but also I think you have an obligation and a responsibility to develop, to uh, challenge, to expose your children to things and levels that maybe you couldn't achieve. And I also think it's your duty to not only uh, set the vision, but also put your time and your resources behind helping them reach that vision they have for themselves. And then you guide them. You let them make mistakes. You let them fall short. You give them advice along the way. And you pray at night that, you know, that the Lord keeps the shield of protection over them. But, you know, man, it's a beautiful thing that my kids all chose, all of them chose something that wasn't basketball. So I had to, like, you know, adjust to that. But from sports, you can learn, you can teach so many intangibles that are transferable. So I can teach my kids hard work, uh, teamwork, resourcefulness, 
discipline, you know, how to deal with failure, um, how to give yourself to something that's bigger than yourself, um, how to push your body to the max. So even though my kids aren't in sports, I still give them that sports mentality because I think that that, that mentality is transferable. Got it. And, and, and for you, the coaches that you've had in, in your life, what, what have they meant to you? You know, I've been so blessed. I've had, you know, a lot of, you know, good coaches. I've had a lot of average coaches and I've had some bad coaches. So I, I know that all coaches are not monolithic. I know they're not all the same, <laughs> just like all players are the same. Um, but I would say that, you know, uh, coaches taught me a lot. I learned a lot from, you know, in my professional career, I would say probably Stan Van Gundy and Doc Rivers the most. Um, and they just really, you know, I still run through a wall for those guys. You know, they just had it down to a science. And they're both Pat Riley disciples, so you can understand why they had that, that pedigree, you know, holds true to them. Um, my coaches as a youth were some of the best coaches that the world would never know or hear about. You know, before I got to college, I was already good because those guys um, – and then, you know, my, my college coaches, Norm put a lot of toughness in me, that old school stick to attitude. And then I had Quinn Snyder, who put a lot of confidence in me and, you know, told me that I could be better than what I was. Um, so, yeah, man, coaches can, you know, really, really elevate you. But I've also had some coaches who said that, hey, I just don't think you're good enough to play. Hey, you're just not my type of player. And, you know, that is a learning experience, too, because it's, it, 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 it's humbling for an athlete to, you know, not live up to the expectations of a coach. And so you you learn a lot about yourself in those moments. That's really good. Um, really good. I have a question here from Max. She's typing. So I'm going to read her question. She says, uh, in your opinion, is there an age where you grow out of needing a coach? No, there's never um, an age where you grow out of needing a coach, even if you're a business person, even if you're a worker, even if you're like you and I, Pat, you know, we have to have mentors. We have to have, you know, even if you're the, the athletic director or the boss or the president, still have to have, you know, some accountability friends. Um, you still have to have people who understand what you go through in your job and in your family and how that relates that they don't teach you in the manual, but you can only learn from peer to peer. So I believe that we're always forever learning and that never stops. Good. That's, that's really good. Um, all right. We're going to switch gears one more time. Okay. And uh, because I want to hear from you about something that I know you're very passionate about okay. and you have been on the public speaking circuit lately. Yes, and I want to hear about your thoughts and I'll just leave it. I'll leave the floor open. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I've been, I've been very, it's been like a gift and a curse, like my little post career public speaking, you know, uh, uh, career, but it's been great. You know, um, you know, I think as an athlete, you always have to reinvent yourself and you have to prove you know, that what you know can translate. So I always, you know, have a lot of, uh, it's always a little bit of, you know, skeptics in the room when I first come in. But man, our journey as athletes, if we're able to pull from it, it's awesome. And we have a very rich experience. And we, a lot of times, are educated differently than people from our environments. And 
get to travel places that people don't get to see from environments like us. So we have a very good feel for the world. Um, so I love what I'm doing now as a speaker, but my passion is in particular two places. One is about mental health and wellness. Um, that is a passion of mine. I'm a survivor of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I spent some time in a mental institution and I really had to do my work to heal myself and get back healthy so that I could be all that I could be for my family. And my next passion is sexual abuse. Um, I was sexually abused at seven years old and didn't, you know, embrace that until I had my breakdown, my battle with PTSD. And, you know, I, I decided to be a man, be a voice to share that experience to hopefully prevent, you know, the next generation of children from being, you know, taken advantage of by a potential predator. Yeah. Um, so take me, if you don't mind, just what is it like um, when you are trying to perform in front of thousands of people? maybe even millions on TV and you are battling with your past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, you know, I, I never really competed during a breakdown. So that really wasn't my experience. You know, I was able to, you know, block out most of my journey. I think I talked about it early as athletes. We don't really process our, our journey. We just too busy, you know, trying to accomplish, trying to become, and so when I started getting these flashbacks about my experience, you know, um, I couldn't play under those conditions. So I retired and I went and got help immediately so that I could heal because I didn't know what I was experiencing. Now that I'm on the other side of that, if another guy gets in a position where they're dealing with PTSD from something from their past, maybe that guy doesn't have to run and walk away from a dream job. You know, and so that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to share my my experience and talk about mental health. <laughs> Excuse me, because we really don't understand the layers of mental health and how it looks. And if somebody's going through it, how do we treat them so that we can help them heal? Awesome. I got another question from Mac here. Okay. She says in your article it says those closest to you didn't have looks of sympathy or pity, but rather came from a place of helpfulness and kindness. How can coaches, fellow athletes, administration, et cetera, create an environment for young athletes to open up and get help with their mental health struggles? Yeah. Mm. That is a good question. I think it's layered. And um, Doc Rivers used to say, if we want to go quick, we go alone. If we want to go far, we must all go together. I think coaches, administrators, and universities really have to do a better job of connecting with talented, qualified people from the environments of the players. I think that's one of the most disarming things they can do for players is have somebody who can really, they can see that can relate to their experience. Um, I think that's really, really important. And then you bring in these great resources like the therapists and the counselors that are on campus that are available, the sports psychologists. Um, I believe the strength coach plays a part because physical, mental health and physical health are in alignment with one another. But coaches and administrators can really start understanding um, emotional health a little bit better and then also some of the environments and the dire strengths of some of the kids who come from some of the environments who might be extremely talented. Yeah. So I, I look back on my um, experiences and I know of several 
of my teammates that uh, that did the extreme, you know, where they did not get the mental help that they needed, whether um, high school, college, and professional. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and for those that may be out there listening right now, that are saying, "Yes, I'm one of those that need help." What advice do you give to them? What 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 steps of what what practical steps can you give them? Well, so the first thing I would say is you're not crazy. <laughs> you know, you might be traumatized. You might be going through a heightened situation. You might be full of anxiety. You might be dealing with some type of mental health disorder. But it's okay. You're not the only one. So that's the first thing. I think a lot of people get stuck because they think other people think they're crazy and they can't heal from it. But I, you know, I am somebody who's been there and I heal from it, but you have to do your work. So the first thing is embracing that you're not crazy. The second thing is, for me, it started in my prayer, in my faith. And so if you believe in some type of deity or faith or religion, I would say connect with that. For me, that's, you know, Christianity. For you, it might be something different. Um, So I would say, you know, implement that to your life. Um, The next thing I would say is, like, go get some therapy. (laughs) Therapy. It will change your life. In three in three weeks of therapy, I dumped off almost 23 years of baggage that I had unchecked, you know, and just been holding. And when I talked about it, I felt a physical relief in my body. Um, and so <clears throat> after you kind of do the therapy process and you, you, you go through that checklist, then you have to continue that. And you got to get a, a like I, I call it a mental wellness hygiene, a routine where, you know, for me, that's diet, exercise, meditation, yoga, you know what I mean, affirmations, you know, dating my wife a certain amount of time, spending a certain amount of time outside. So it's not one thing that makes me healthy. Um, It's a combination of things that make me healthy. What can you, what can someone who uh, may be needing help and wanting help, how can they approach the people that are closest to them? Uh, and for that assistance? Mm, So I think there's more than one right answer. I think the biggest thing is to call out for help. You know, sometimes you might not, that might not be to somebody who's closest to you. That might be to a professional. I'm not sure. All I know is if you're feeling anxiety in your body or depression in your heart or, you know, anger in your spirit, you know what I mean? Like you might need to check in the same way if, if you had a toothache you would go see that dentist. Um, I want you to think about your mental and your emotional health the same way. Going and talk with somebody can really disarm you and allow you to process things in a much healthier way. Yeah. You know, as we wrap up here, um, how can people learn more about you and your passions and um, as far as helping to spread awareness for mental health? Yeah, I think the first thing people can do is like, you know, for me, just heal yourself, you know, um, figure out what's going on in your life and work on yourself. I want you to sleep better at night. I want you to have a happier relationship. I want you to be free from some of the clutter that you might have experienced on your life. So that's the first thing I want you to do. After that, then you can go and follow me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Keon Dooling and check me out. Um, you could also buy my book. It's, um, last month we sold over 600 copies. I'm so excited about what's driving you, how I overcame abuse and became a leader in the NBA. 
Um, yeah, and next you can just follow me on all my platforms. I got a lot of, you know, cool little things going on. So you could definitely check me out on all my social media platforms. And if you want to book me as a speaker, um, the website is nextlevelbooking.com. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I just want to remind people, um, to share this podcast, uh, respond. You can reach out to us. I want you to please rate the podcast. And uh, we'll put all of your info in our show notes, Keon. So that way um, people can know where to find you. And and also, um, Dr. Starla Ivy told me to tell you hello. Well, tell Starla, I wish I just would have listened more when she was tracking me down in school. So send my love to the queen, my friend. Oh, I appreciate that, man. It has been great catching up. I'm so proud of you. Um, just to watch young man come in from high school and um, just to make a difference in so many people's lives and continue to give back is inspiring I appreciate everything that you're doing thank you man I I appreciate you too Pat thank you sir for having me All right, man you take care and have a good night thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps where we provide the performance edge This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S.com.